Get ready for my call to action. This call to action, I think, is very, very funny. I think it can be very funny if we do it right. A, please don't reach out or tag Bob or Santino what I'm about to tell you. Because it has to do with something with Santino. What? This is what I want to do. You just got a new dog, right? Uh, uh, full disclosure, no. My neighbor got a new dog, but I posted it like it was mine for likes. Uh. <laughs> Everything about Finesse Mitchell is a fraud, people. The hairline is a fraud. The dogs are a fraud. <laughs> it's not my dog. Yeah, you sent me like at least, what, eight different artists? Mm -hmm. And you think that the sheet music that I have right here, you, you think I picked that artist? Yes. I think you picked the artist that I think you picked. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to give it a guess? I never meant to cause you any sorrow. <laughs> I never meant to cause you any pain. I like that artist, but I did not choose them. How could he get that wrong? <laughs> you sent me like eight or nine. How could he get that you wrong? You sent me like eight or nine, bro. All right, then that means you picked Bruno Mars. No, but that was a second option. <sighs> Three strikes and you're out, finesse. Okay. You sent me some good ones, so I actually chose one that I was that that I normally wouldn't maybe. I like this artist, but I but as far as on piano, it's not a typical artist on piano. So I thought that it, that could be fun. Oh, okay. So then that means you picked J. Cole. Getting warmer. <laughs> <laughs> Tupac. Yeah. Lil Wayne. He picked Lil Wayne. Yep. Pick Lil Wayne. You can't go wrong with Lil Wayne. Can't no. get can't go wrong with Weezy F baby. So no. I feel bad for not even saying Wayne second. Because he's my second choice. Shawty wanna 
will say this. Well, what will you, you say? You finesse? did. You did pick the absolute one little Wayne song I do not like. Well, his one <laughs> super commercial hit that I'm like, if I'm a thug, why on earth would I tell anybody she likes to lick me like a lot? You probably wouldn't. I would because your boys would clown on you they if, if they heard that me. song. They would clown me. If just looking at the lyrics, I've never known that the lyrics even look like this. And just saying them out loud outside of the music, the way he does it. Yeah, she she liked to lick me like a lollipop. Oh, I mean, you put this behind piano. It's a completely different song. It's a completely different song. <laughs> I, I This could have been a Kenny Rogers song. Bro, this this could have been a damn uh Ricky Martin song. Okay. So oh. this this could have really went oh a totally different direction easily. So Wayne, you a goat, but you really took the the paycheck on this one. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, I mean, yeah. Weezy F baby. With the F baby. And the F stand for uh freaky deaky. Uh sometimes feminine because I like to kiss baby in the mouth. No. <laughs> Dude, Man, that's pretty. That's pretty damn impressive, sir. How long have you been playing? Did you know, your mother make you take piano lessons when you were a kid? You know what? No, I was a I was a sax guy growing up, mm -hmm. and uh, this piano thing is just in the last few years. And uh, one of the things that I try to get good at, or at least better at, during quarantine was uh -huh. I played a ton of piano. Oh, okay. I just like was taking some lessons like before that, like a year before that, and then I tried to just play as much as i could i was just about to ask you, you, you i don't see any sheet music so you definitely play by ear yeah that was these are just like lyrics that are on here right mm -hmm. here so it was just like chords that i looked up online and played see, a little bit that's even my wife just bought a, a huge humongous keyboard kerg k-e-r oh the korgs oh yeah that thing. yeah yeah it's huge <laughs> yeah. it's taking up oh, half no, the no. garage they're like 88 keys yeah yeah it's in the garage it's still in the box I haven't asked her when she's going to open it. But she got it to start playing? She got it to start playing. She got it set up. She got her stool. She got everything. Now, why did she get that fancy of ones right out the gate? Because those are nice keyboards. Her father told her that's what he uses. So that's what she started out Now, with. okay, question. Has she? <laughs> did she used to play back in the day? No, she's never played. She's, <laughs> she's learning on this machine. I mean, it's a nice thing to learn on. You know what? I blame my dad. And I told her, I said, you know what? I'm sure your dad didn't start out with this keyboard, baby. There's, no, he had to work his way he up. He had to work his way up. He had to do, a, a you know, 3,000 concerts. He 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 earned this keyboard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. His, his, he, he's done everything you're supposed to do in R&B history to have that keyboard. I played an... Alto Yamaha student saxophone for 15 years before I upgraded my sax. <laughs> Were you in a band? <laughs> I was. I played in like middle school and stuff like that. <laughs> Here's a funny ass story, bro. I wanted to be a sax player. I thought I was going to play saxophone. Mm -hmm. And I went to a music class. Yeah. Sax teacher. Yeah. And for some reason, you know, I didn't have a saxophone, but the other kids had a saxophone and I was, I had every intention on getting a saxophone. <laughs> this is going to be a dumbass story. <laughs> you could back in the day buy this clear cover, um, 
It's a folder that you stick your your reports in, and then it has this like thing a portfolio that you kind of thing. Yeah, and you you slide this thing over it to hold it in place. I remember those. Yes. And if you take that slide thing off, you could actually play it. You could actually like the plastic thing. The plastic thing. If you blew into it, it made a saxophone sound. A saxophone sound. So I would just you know. When I didn't have any book reports, but I had all these clear covers with the little thing that you attached to it to present, um, I would just be playing it at home. Like a kazoo. Yeah. Why did I take that thing to sax class and I was going to impress the teacher that I could play this plastic long <laughs> snap in place uh, report cover thing? Right. I don't even know what the name of it was. And uh, I was all, I was all proud too, bro. And he saved me from embarrassment. He don't even know he what he did. But, um, you know, I had it on my lap. And so he saw the people with the saxes and he started talking and giving his speech. And he came and he actually took it off my lap. And he and he was sitting in front of us and he started, you know, talking to us and playing with it on his lap. And then for whatever reason, he took his thumb and he opened it up and he slid his thumb all the way down the thing and just opened it up. I don't know why. Now you can never use it for a book report ever again because right. it won't close back. And now I can't play it because it's not going to make a sound because he opened it up. And I was like, did he know what I was about to do? And I know that's a very weird story, but it was very traumatic for me at that age because I was like maybe nine. And you were excited to show that off. I was very excited to show him that so the, I could make, I could replicate the sound of a saxophone for maybe $800 less. You may want to consider putting me in your band. You could have you you could have been like a prodigy that nobody even knew about. You know what? Had he not done that, I could have been playing that to this day. And by the time Star Search rolled around, I would have had a real talent. Right. You know what I mean? I probably would have been playing five of them. I probably would have cut them at different lengths, maybe because I would have found out they would have made different sounds. You're like that weird glass guy who brings his own glasses, like weddings and stuff, mm -hmm. and starts like going around with I it. I was that kid, man. And uh, for whatever reason, he took that thing from me and he was talking and he just opened it up and slid his thumb all the way down and kept playing with it as he's talking to us. And I was just sitting there just staring at it like. I'm never coming to this class again. That's and so I never, weird. And, I never that took he, a sax he, and class. he never acknowledged that he did that to you? No. He didn't even yeah. know what I needed that thing for. How does I don't know. But he split it open. I he think split he, it had open. To, he had to have known. I there, think he knew. There had to have been a kid before you that's <laughs> like you. that tried to be smart and yes. tried to show up to class and be like, oh, well, I can do, I can play this silly thing. And he, maybe he saw you coming from a mile away and he's like, I'm going to put this out I'm gonna, immediately. I'm, yes. I'm going to crush this kid. I'm gonna, yes. Because it made a sound exactly like a saxophone. It was clear. The way you blew into it, you could like change the keys. Now, have you ever tried <laughs> to pick it back up since then? <laughs> no. <laughs> Scarred for life, man. We're going to Office Depot right after this Never podcast. Never did another book report using that type of uh, uh, folder. Of course not. Uh, Too I, traumatic. Now I went straight for the three-prong thing that you hit the button and it puts the three holes in your paper. And then you put that in another folder that has the three prongs and then you fold those down. Binder and inside a binder, binder inside a binder. Yes, absolutely. I, I went straight with those. But the ones <sighs> where you just slide the little thing on it, mm -mm. never again. No more. Don't get my money anymore. And I never tried to play a saxophone or a musical It just instrument. ruined you. He ruined me, bro. I went straight to soccer after that. Were you good at soccer? <laughs> yes, I was dope. 
Oh, okay. That was pretty good you at did soccer. the head shake it. Yes. Like, like you threw on me for a loop because you went like this, but then you're like, I was one of the best I there was. I was one of the best soccer. I was one of the black, one of the best black soccer players in Atlanta, Georgia, I believe, in my mind. What position? Wing. I played wing and I played striker and center fielder. Okay. I played all positions. Yeah. But so you, speed, must have been pre- you must have been pretty fast then. Speed with a great left foot. Oh. And you didn't see that left foot coming. No, definitely Centering not. that ball into the center of the field. Yeah. So one minute you're outrunning a man and then the next minute you're stopping, putting the ball like, and he goes flying by. And that was my move. And then left foot, and I'm either striking it towards the goal or putting it in play. But I was dope. You see how I'm talking about it. I mean, there's a lot of confidence there. You know what? I feel like your fan base uh, loves soccer. We just had the Euro Cup. (laughs) We just saw I talk about soccer on this podcast all the time. See? I knew that. You knew that about I me. I knew that. You knew that. I did my research. England did it. England had a shot and they blew it. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Did you watch any of that? With uh, no. Sudeikis? You know what? Once Sudeikis said that I couldn't audition for it or he didn't have any parts for me, I said, no, I'm not even going to Did he really? It. No, he never said that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> what up, Jay? What's up? Uh, <laughs> no, I've never watched Ted Lasso. Is it good? It is good, actually. It's like a, it's one of those um, feel-good shows. It's like easy shows to watch. You know, like you don't have to think too much. It's just funny. Right. Yeah. He's really good for that. Uh, I was very impressed with him during my SNL years. Um, he was a writer. He was a writer coming out like of before Vegas or something. He joined the cast, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second the, City in Vegas, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he came out of Vegas. He was a writer, and I think he had every intention of auditioning for the show. And that's one way to do it, people. If you ever have aspirations of being on SNL, you know, apply for a writer's job and then get in that way. Um, And sure enough, when um, I think we did two years, Keenan and I, before Jason Sudeikis, Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader and Andy Samberg came through Mm -hmm. and the show was never the same after that. So it went from, yeah, we're going to be big stars. We're going to be Eddie Murphy to, uh, can we be in y'all sketches, please? <laughs> they did do a takeover. They took show. it over, bro. Yeah. It was a different flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It went from um, the whole Amy Poehler and and uh, I guess a- Amy was really the matriarch back then. But Tina Fey was the patriarch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. was like the Dundada of the show. And so Tina kind of dictated the whole tone of everything that was going through, you know, that was getting put on the air. Her and Lauren, of course. But um, but when when those kids came through with their style and Kristen was totally different from Amy, in my opinion. And oh, when she yeah. came through night with her day. style, night and day, bro. Yeah. It was just like, oh, y'all strong, strong. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean. You, I was sitting there eating popcorn like I wasn't part of the cast. This gonna be good. Kristen <laughs> <laughs> Wiig is one of those people who you see do characters and you're like, oh, there's another level to this. There's another nail level to this. Head. head on the nail. You see nail some people who do characters very well, and then mm-hmm. you see freaks like Kristen Wiig, right. who you're like, oh, this is like this is your thing. Right. Like that, this is your position. You're starting every time. Absolutely. Like that's just what it is. Even like uh, when I noticed uh, Daryl Hammond doing impersonations that are dead on. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I would say the next person to come through that had some pretty spot on impersonations, of course, 
was was Bill Hader and then Jay Farrell, right? But what I saw Kristen Wiig do was do a character that you couldn't, that it was undeniable that that person that she just did wasn't a real person. You know what I mean? Right. So it made me say, oh yeah, that yeah, there is another level to this because you guys are doing impersonations. She's doing imperson- an impersonation of a lady who's the checkout girl at Target. You know what I mean? And that's spot on. Every mannerism and everything she's saying is spot on from the old lady who's the new checkout person at Target. Oh, when she when I first saw that Target lady, I was like, this looks like a fictional person, but also the most real person I've ever seen. Right. And I just I love Target. I just went to Target. And when I tell you I met that lady, like this lady was just like, let's see a banana. Just one. Let's go down and see a banana. Because there's a certain barcode. And she was just talking to me like yeah. that. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm just like, lady, I got like eight more fruit over here. You got to speed this up. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? And so when she went through all of that, it was time for her to bag the groceries. And her method of bagging groceries started off with a little bit of logic. And then after two bags, <laughs> it, just went away. it made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those eggs and the ground beef. And the toilet paper and the milk should all go in one bag. I was like, it made no sense. There, I've had uh, checkout cashiers that, um, you ever get one that just doesn't know how to count? Yeah. Yes. I've gotten every last one, but yes. I've had multiple people in front of me at this this one lady. I don't know if it was people's getting rid of change day or what, mm-hmm. but they kept paying when primarily change. It'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like, okay, the total is 1678. And I'm like five deep back. Right. And, and everybody's like, I have exact change. But right. it was like dimes, nickels, like emptying For out For the everything. whole $16? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. And and she's like, and she, she lost track multiple times and I'm just like trying to keep patience <laughs> and just right. be like, no. <laughs> not be that guy. Right. See, that's what the day I would have shoplifted. I'm just taking my whole car <laughs> right, right, straight right. to the car. Yeah, you're done at that point. Catch me if you can. I, I have a great alibi. You guys were bullshitting. And and this, these groceries were meant to be free. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting I'm not sitting through this shit. Did you have uh like certain original characters that you did during your audition that that you were like, these are these are like show out, like these are my go-to's, or did you do more impressions? Or did you came do? through in two thousand three, people. Keenan Thompson and I came through together. Uh and I was a stand-up. I was a pure stand-up. So did you just do a set? For yeah, your I just audition? did a set. Right. You know what I mean? And in my set, at the time, there was this movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yes. And so, you know, me being new to L.A. and living in the jungle-adjacent Crenshaw district, I did this whole sketch, this whole sketch about black people finding out the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon had subtitles at the movie theater. Because none of the none of the commercials had subtitles going across the bottom. Right. So when we got there, you know how black people love Wu-Tang and karate movies. Of course. So we were like, Crouching Tiger, oh yeah, that's going to be dope. <laughs> yeah. So you got a theater full of black people. And there was this ghetto girl in there named Starkeisha. And she was actually having a birthday party inside the theater, which I had never seen. I thought maybe they do that in LA. I'm from Georgia. I'm not going to judge. 
but I'd never seen a birthday cake lit inside, <laughs> <laughs> inside the movie theater. <laughs> and people singing happy birthday. All right. So all this was going on while the now, credits. Was it black happy birthday too? The happy birthday. It wasn't even that. It was a real happy birthday. But no, it wasn't that version. It was happy birthday okay. too. So okay. yeah. And it was dope. Uh, everybody clapped. Everybody was in on it. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm just sitting there like, this is crazy. And so uh, popcorn started. And the best part of this joke was her going, and then just looking at her friends. Bitch, we got to read for the whole movie. Oh, that's fucked up. I took y'all roller skating. This what y'all doing for me? <laughs> so just acting out that whole scenario, bro. I was Starkeisha. I was her friends, Farrah Jaca and Appreciante. But these are names I made up, right? And then um, I was the white dude scared to tell them to keep their voice down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the black dude who the white dude was like, hey, don't you want to tell them to keep their voice <laughs> right. down? Like, hell no. Um, so you're acting out like five different characters so in bro, this. It yeah. was a dope. I didn't realize it at the time. You know what I mean? That's you know actually I, a great. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, bro, when I auditioned, all I knew was I had a dope bit that stood people up every time I did it. Right. Because after I went into the characters, then I went into, and they were reading out loud. And the people who weren't reading, I said, it sounded like a ghetto karaoke Bible study in there. And the people who weren't reading out loud was using their finger. So I was just doing all these little bits that you do inside this movie theater. And by the time I was done, uh, you know, and then I was like, um, ladies, um, you guys said physical. It's not physical. That's P-H. When pH makes the f sound, that's that's physical. I think Derek Fisher is sitting behind us telling us try how to read. You know, I was like, I had all these little tags to it. And so they're trying to say the physical. And then they mess up on the network. And then, you know what? You know what? F this movie. So, bro, the way I did this whole bit, it stood people up every single time. I had a deal from Fox on the table. Uh, I had just gotten invited to Montreal. I had networks sending shit to my hotel room because they wanted me to like do either do showcases or sign back in the day a development deal. Yeah. And lo and behold, the, the SNL auditions were going around and I was like, I might as well audition. Sure. Just get on somebody's radar. Sure. They fucking picked me, bro. And so my, my you know, cherry popping experience here in LA was... Three years of grinding, grinding, grinding. And then, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be on Saturday Night Live. That's how it works. Doesn't it work for everybody like that? Hmm? Somebody's still at it? You've been out in here 15 years? I don't know. I don't know what you did wrong. I just don't. I can't relate. I'm sorry. I can't relate. I'm yeah. sorry. I just I, I got picked up by this little show called Saturday Night Live. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Went out there. And next thing I know, um, I saw Keenan. And Keenan was a, this is Al Sharpton. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is Bill Cosby. But Kristen Wiig did the same thing. Right. In her audition. Her audition was so dope because she was just like, this is Carol Burnett. And she just went into it. This is Carol Burnett at Walmart arguing with the lady who's trying to check her receipt before she leaves the store. <laughs> so it would be Carol Burnett talking to some random lady. Right, and right. the voices were so distinct 
that you just be like, oh, this is dope. Oh, yeah. And she just did like 12 characters, like back to back to back. Some you knew, some you didn't know. But the ones you didn't know, you was like, oh, that's going to be on the show. Yeah. So I could tell that they were just salivating over this girl, like, oh, my God. And that wasn't her first audition. I think she had auditioned, auditioned like two other times before that, and they never chose her. So, hey, go yeah. figure. Quite the process. You know what I mean? Um, SNL is one of those those nuts that is hard to crack, and once you're there... You're either really enjoying it or you're like, you're stressed because you're like, I got to audition each week to try to figure this shit out. I've had buddies on the show that they either love it or they literally are like, I like just couldn't stand. I couldn't stand like just the competition and all that. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it drives you crazy I, from, from a, I don't know, from a Chris Rock to a Jay Moore to a Tracy Morgan to a Sherry O'Terry to a. You know, even Amy Poehler, you know, people just leave that show kind of feeling like they didn't do everything they could have done. And you're like, Amy, you're in every sketch for the last eight years. What else did you? Yeah, but it's just some things I didn't want to. Amy, your show just won an Emmy. Your new yeah, show. I think you're doing OK. I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I just did. I just that could just be the conditioning of it, though. That yeah. could just be the condition of the show. Like, like uh, I think Lauren likes it like that, too. I mean, it's a pressure cooker. Of course. I you mean, the, I, I, I'm a huge Farley fan, like a lot of comedians. And uh, the thing that would throw him and uh, this biography that I read about Farley was uh, when he would crush, mm -hmm. just destroy, he'd look over at Lauren for approval, mm -hmm. wouldn't give him anything. Right. And when his sketches bombed, mm -hmm. he'd be like, good job out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, that why, sounds, like, why? That sounds like Lauren. <laughs> Lauren, you know what, you know, and now he's in his older age, but I'm sure just back in the day, he was just a motherfucker to just deal with. Bro. I bet. I you bet. got the dopest show. Everybody's and everybody talking knows about it. it. And, everybody and you knows know that it. everybody knows it. I mean, you have the, like, literally during my years, you know, he might be like, yeah, Mick Jagger and Caroline Kennedy are going to join my table later. And we're like... Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Just he just knows everybody in New York and there's so many dope people that live in New York. So when they come to these SNL after parties, you can tell Lawrence guest from like a Tracy Morgan guest. You know what I mean? Like you'll be sitting there and Tracy's not on the show anymore. But then you'll see Don Bishop Don Juan. You'll be like, Tracy invited his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. so random. Yeah, yeah. That's too random. Right. He's not sitting at Lawrence table. You know tonight. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Bishop! <laughs> Over here. You're like, how did Tracy even get in the party? You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, from the Dan Aykroyds to the Rock, that's the dope thing about SNL is that, you know, you're after party. You didn't have a dope show. But then Sandler touches you on the shoulder and say, you're going to get it next week, bro. Like, I see your face and I can tell you're frustrated. I was the same way. You know what? Focus on the weekend update desk. That's what I did. And you're like, okay, cool, cool. And then the next week, Rock will say, Vanessa, <laughs> let me tell you, shit is fucked up, but you're on a winning team. You know, you're like, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right, man. Yeah. You're right. So I appreciated all that because now, years later, even when you just pop up somewhere, people know what it is. They're like, oh, Vanessa is dope. Now, would a Mikey Day think he's dope? Would Pete Davidson think he's dope? I think everybody who books the job are, like yo yeah i'm dope you know what i mean 
But I think you get frustrated, you know what I mean? And it's just normal. So for all you people aspiring to maybe one day be a part of that show, also know it's a lot of the mental that comes with it. And if you got a vice, oh yeah, SNL is going to help you explore that vice even further. What, what, did you have any vices? You know what? Um, probably just women, women and weed. Sure. You know, I wasn't a weed smoker until I met Keenan. You know, I, I hear he smokes a lot of weed. Yeah, but in a very respectable way. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like, there's some people that's like, I smoke weed. Ooh, let's get high. And then like they're flaunting it constantly. Yeah, as part and, of their personality, kind of thing. Yeah, and Keenan is just like, yeah, I smoke weed. Yeah, what about it? What about it? Yeah, yeah. That's just what I anywhere, yeah. anytime. But there's like Snoop Dogg is one of those people that if you see him pull out some weed, there's a nine out of ten ch chance you're not even gonna say shit. Even if you're Jay Leno and it's the Tonight Show, mm -hmm. you're just gonna say, "Yeah, Snoop is here." And when people have gained that type of respect because it's legendary that that's part of who you are, then I can respect that. And sure enough, like you know, during our years when the hallways were lit. We knew who it was. You act like you didn't smell anything. And anybody else who was new walking around, whether you're visiting or whether whatever, and you're just hanging out with the castmate that you know, and you're like, you know, oh, that's Kenan. And you're just going about your business. Right. And let everybody else adjust. But nobody's going to be like, you can't do that. Or this, not in this area. Or no, no, no. Yeah, I find, I and mean, I respect that. I respect that's that. Type a, that of I mean, that happens all the time, like at the store when Chappelle pops in, like he's gonna smoke a cigarette inside. Right. Like that's right. just that's just what he does. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody's no waitress or anything is gonna call. Who's gonna shout from the audience? You shouldn't be Excuse doing me. that. Excuse me, sir, sir, sir. You're in, you're inside, and this is everybody's air. You're. Excuse me, sir. Have you heard of secondhand smoke, sir? There's carcinogens. Okay. Chapel. What is his name? Sir, <laughs> Mr. Chapel, excuse me. You can't do that. Dave, <laughs> David, David. You okay, can't do it real quick. Um, <laughs> hi. First of all, um, I, I don't like your set. Second of all, <laughs> it takes too long for you to get to a joke, so that's bothering me. Secondly, uh, that's an entire pack, and I wasn't going to say anything out of the first four. Apparently, my boyfriend really likes you. You're a big deal, I guess. He, he wants to stay. I wanted to leave a long time ago, but I really feel like I have to say something. <laughs> but no, man, nobody does that shit. How many times have you had a, an audience member uh, come up to you after a show and be like, hey, could I tell you something real quick? All the time. Now, how do you respond at, at like knowing that that's coming? Do you say no or do you let them say their thing? I let them say their thing. It just depends on the mood I'm in. But a lot of times, like after stand-up, after a stand-up show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So I do these jokes about names. You know, I used to do these this joke about like crazy ass names before Key and Peele put it on their show. You know what I mean? I actually remember that bit. I saw you, I saw you do that at the Laugh Factory years ago. Years ago, I bro. died watching that bit. Somebody uh, before YouTube, YouTube was probably always hot, but then somebody put it on YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, rooftop comedy. Yeah. And they said, hey, that was the first person to ever call me and say, hey, we got like 500,000 views on your school teacher names yeah. bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, tell me how to get to it. Tell, like, educate me. Because at right. the time, I wasn't a, a YouTuber. Of course. And this was a long time ago. Yeah. And so, um, but 
but then I did it on Comic View. And so if you're a fan of Finesse Mitchell, if you've ever seen me do it, it was just one of my great bits. And so when um, people were calling me, when uh, Key and Peele did this uh, football sketch with the, all the names. Right. I got so many phone calls like, bro, all they did was, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you like? But anyway, that bit used to make people come up to me after the show and they would always, always say the same thing. So my friend teaches school and get this. Lamangelo and Orangello. But they but it was orange jello and <laughs> lemon jello. But it was pronounced Orangelo and Lamangelo. And I promise you, city after city, black, white, old, young would tell me those two names like it was their friend, their friend. And I just used to, I just want to say so bad, you're a fucking liar. Yeah. You don't have a friend that teaches school. Right. You've never heard that. And somebody told you that corny ass joke at a party. You couldn't wait to tell me. Of course. But thank you. Yeah. And I never had that attitude until, bro, after like the 30th time. I said, I'm gonna just stop doing a bit because I don't want people to come up to me after the show <laughs> right, right, and right. tell me about orange jello and 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 lemon. Oh, orange or, orange jello and lemon jello. Yeah. Oh man. But anyway, yeah. But people come up to me and they're either talking to me about how SNL isn't funny anymore. Everybody says that. People, but people attribute that to their years. It's never really personal. And it's never really about what they're watching right now. Yes. People brag on the years that they watched. Of course. Because that was their time. Yeah. With Will Ferrell was your time. Oh, those were the best years ever. Right. If Sandler was your time. Oh, no. Those were the best years ever. Mm -hmm. If Farley was your time. Best years ever. If Eddie was your time. But it always, you can never, you can never say, I really miss the whole Jimmy Fallon and and so and so years when he just used to be so silly. You can't say that. You have to start off with the show isn't funny anymore. But it was funny when that's all. <laughs> and what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah. Well, okay. it's a weird thing of like uh the the predicament of somebody coming up to you uh after a show, like uh like when I was featuring for years, I would get people coming up to me like, I liked you more than the headliners. Like what am I supposed to do with it? That's my friend. He's right there. He's he brought me on the road. Right. I don't want you saying this loudly. Right. Like this is like right. you're. I don't know if you're trying to help me out or right. what that is, but like maybe you're trying to be like build some kind of camaraderie. But it's so weird. So what do you do, stand up comics? When, of course, L.A. is a fifteen minute to twenty minute city. Yeah. You come out here to L.A. Nobody gives a fuck about your hour. You want to do an hour, go out of town somewhere. But they do want 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. So what do you do when you've been doing variations of the same 20 minutes for maybe three years? And one of your buddies who's a headliner takes you out on the road and he has to do an hour. He could be practicing for a special. He could just be trying to find it after 30 minutes. You know, let me find out my last bit. Or he could just be... A snatch and grab is what we like to call it. Oh, yeah, I took their money. <laughs> but whatever it is, there's a pretty good chance your feature, who you hand-selected, that you feel like either compliments your comedy or you like being around. So I'm going to take this person on the road because I want to feel as comfortable as possible mm-hmm. on the road. 
when I go and eat, I want to have a conversation with somebody that I trust, that I like. We have a lot of things in common. You know, there's so many different reasons why a headliner selects a certain feature to go with them. The only thing about comedy that's not like stage plays or musicals or Cats or Hamilton is that people come up to you after the show and not only will they probably walk by your merch table, but before they do, they say, you are awesome. Ah, this guy, I'm, not so much. Right. And what do you do as a feature? Because you can't be less strong. You only have like a strong 25 minutes. Right. And you don't want to be doing a different 25 minutes every show because that's going to fuck up the headliner. He don't want to keep watching your show to see what you said. So he shouldn't, you know, you know, dabble in that, on that topic. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And that's one thing I hate. Do your set, bro. I don't need you to do crowd work. Right. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? That's one thing I hate as a headliner. I did not bring you on the road for you to do crowd work. Sure. I really didn't. I think I want to do crowd work. Why? Because I think I have to do an hour. Mm -hmm. So let me do crowd work and let me ask people how long they've been together or what do you do for a living right, right, and right. all that other bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. that you've seen me do 10,000 times that now you want to do it. Sure. So why are you so funny and witty doing crowd work all of a sudden? Because you've seen me do it for 100 shows. So you know all the beats. All you did was change one or two things. But you come off like, hey, man, my crowd work was just, I killed it today. And I'm like, okay, yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> You'll be doing it on somebody else's right. state. But yeah, keep doing that. Right. But I really like, you know what? I was uh, fucking around with Russell Peters one day, and he was at uh, Microsoft Theater here in L.A. I love seeing him do crowd work in those giant venues. It's crazy. Yes. Yes. The and cameraman on the audience, just mm -hmm. like, boom, right there. He's got a system down. He said, Finesse, uh, you want to do uh, like 12, 15? I said, hell yeah. Yeah, I, w I would love to do that. Okay, so uh, yeah, this weekend, bro, we're going to be at Microsoft. I said, okay, dope. Oh, by the way, I really like that Prince bit that you do. I was like, you like that one? He was like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. I was like, cool. That shit went right over my head. I was like, that shit is old. I ain't doing that. You know what I mean? So uh, right before I went out <laughs> on the show, he was like, hey, man, that Prince bit. Ooh, that's, that's probably going to like really get him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but not tonight. I'm not, I'm, you know, I got so many jokes. Plus I'm not doing that. And when I went out there, when I came, I, when I went, it was okay. Yeah. Definitely wasn't like a home run. Right. And I came off and I was like, I think I was supposed to do the Prince bit. <laughs> I think he hinted to me twice yeah. without trying to tell me what to do. Right. I would love for you to do the Prince bit for my audience. Right. And it just didn't register at the time. And have I gone back out with Russell Peters since? No. Because <laughs> I didn't listen. You didn't pick up. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, it, and the only reason I'm telling this story for a lot of comics listening is no matter where you are in your career, if I invited Russell Peters to my show and say, do a guest set or do whatever, I'm pretty much saying, hey, Russell, go do whatever you want. Because yeah. I'm not going to tell Russell Peters what material he can do. But if he just packed out the Microsoft Theater, he kind of has a right to say, finesse, even though you're a headliner and we've been boys for years, I really love you to do this joke. I think this would play well. I think this would play well with my for, audience. Yeah. It would play well with my set, 
because I'm not doing prints. Yeah. And it's going to be totally different from what I'm about to do. But they get to see an act out. They get to see an impersonation. They get to see something clever that it has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. And it always stands people up like people love when you do that bit. It's going to kill them. And then just and then I'm going to go up. They're going to be hot. Right. You know, and I just didn't listen. And uh, yeah, and it's not like I wanted to go open up for Russell Peters all over the world. But it made me realize that, hey, you, you know, when you're in a feature spot, take the advice you want to give other features when they're opening up for you, no matter where you are in your career. Mm. Jeremiah Wonders is brought to you by Magic Spoon. And boy, is this delicious. As somebody with a hit breakfast show, eating breakfast with Jeremiah, I think I know what I'm talking about. Cereal is one of my favorite things in life. And somehow, Magic Spoon has captured the essence of my childhood by bringing it to my adult life without all the sugar. All Magic Spoon cereals have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Hmm. Magic Spoon tastes exactly like your sugary cereal from childhood, but it's super nutritious. And I even like the mix and match stuff. Remember suicides, how you used to go to a pop or soda fountain and you put like Mountain Dew and orange and Sprite in every combination? Well, that's what I like to do with my Magic Spoon. I tried the chocolate and the peanut butter, and guess what? It tastes like a peanut butter cup. Mm. If your parents are divorced, this cereal is for you. Because it brings a nostalgia back from the good moments of your childhood, but also makes you grateful for the times when they were still together. Go to magicspoon.com slash Jeremiah to grab a variety pack and try it out today. Make sure to use promo code Jeremiah at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, they backed it up with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Jeremiah and use the code Jeremiah to get $5 off. Thank you Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. I'm gonna enjoy the rest of this bowl. Mm. 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 One more time, go to magicspoon.com slash Jeremiah, use promo code Jeremiah to get $5 off your first order. And my favorite part. <sighs> Good to the last drop. Magic spoon. Sure. Even though when people know you're I didn't get, I mean, because I am, with my stand-up, I'm super loose, and I do mm-hmm. I do a lot of riffing, a lot of crowd work when I headline. Mm-hmm. But as a feature, mm-hmm. I was very riffy as well, and sometimes I do crowd work, and then I had a couple buddies who headlined that were like, hey, man, you got to stop that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you got to cut that out. And I didn't get what they were doing for me at the time. They're trying to help me build and work on my set to mm-hmm. prep me to be a headliner when I go on the road. 
And I, when I work with features and hosts on the road, I'm like, I don't really need you to do like, like you can do it a little bit, I guess, if you want, but like, I'm going to be doing, just to let you know, like I'm thinking of the whole show. Right. I know for a fact I'm going to be doing crowd work and riffing. Right. So just to let you know, like try to maybe stay away from that. Right. And that'll help me out because it'll help the whole show. Right. Especially, especially if you see me bring the house down Thursday Friday, early show Saturday, and for whatever reason, late show Saturday, you're like, so how long have you two been together? I'm like, what the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Where is your material about the goats? Tell your fucking goat joke, bro. Like, don't pull that on me. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to watch your set. Because ain't nothing worse than coming out. Nobody's trying to... uh uh, hold you back. Nobody's trying to, nobody's jealous of you. But as a headliner, because I was in the back alley smoking weed with the GM and the waitress and they said finesse two minutes and I didn't watch anything you did because I feel like I know you're set for me to go out there and then 35 minutes in say, okay, so what do you do? And they say, the first guy already asked that. I'm like, uh, who, uh, who asked that? Okay. Well, anyway, how long you two been together? Yeah, he has that too. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Excuse me one second. Yo! Come here, man. <laughs> In the middle of my set. Come yeah, here. yeah. Hey, can, hey, can we talk did, real quick? Did you, did you talk to these people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a damn. I'm I'm so great at improv. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go to a finesse Mitchell comedy show. I love doing material, but I just love going in the crowd. Right. It's just, it's magic. Uh, it's like doing a magic show. It's like, it's like doing magic. It really is. And when people say those must have, must have been plants, no, it's just that you've done it so much. You know, when they turn right, you can either turn right with them or you can totally go left. Mm -hmm. But wherever you take them, it's going to all be okay. Right. And it's a skill set. So don't practice that skill set on a headliner's time. If you get booked at a coffee shop or you get booked at the Laugh Factory, or you get booked at the comedy store and you want to use your 15 minutes to do crowd work, do it then. That's your time. But if you go in that crowd, you better make sure you ask the headliner, is that okay? And that is comedy etiquette 101 for anybody going out on the road with a headliner and you're featuring because they're not holding you back. They're stopping you from being a jerk and an asshole. Listen up, people. That's it, man. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of improv, I do have a segment that I do that you might enjoy, that I always enjoy. It's called wig. Now, I've got a couple wigs here. I don't know if you're willing to put on a wig or not. I can't, bro. It'll fuck up my hairline. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. See this? You see this hair, people? It's looking clean. It's looking clean and, and crisp. But if it rains in here, oh, yeah. This shit is going to run down my face. <laughs> Have I ever disclosed that on anybody's podcast? No. This might be the promo snippet. <laughs> this shit ain't real. This is for this ring light. <laughs> That's the most honest, real response I could ask for. I can't get more 100 than that. Hey, man, sometimes I ask people to put on wigs on the show and they turn me down. And that was my favorite turn down yet. <laughs> like, listen, man. It's not that I don't want to. My hair is fake. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see me go from 35 to 56 real quick? Let me put on a wig and take that bitch off. 
I just imagine before the show, you have a mascara pin in here. <laughs> <laughs> Going over like the perfect hairline. It's like, how did he? Hey, this is half of the reason why I was 20 minutes late. I was making sure every follicle was going to be dope because his memo said no hats. So I was like. Because ah. here, here's the reason why I say no hats, because I, the amount of times I've had guests who mm-hmm. wear hats and the way that the lighting is set up, mm-hmm. they we lose everything. Right. We lose everything. Right. And and this, as you know, this and this, that's that's where the gold is. That's, that's the money maker. This right here. You know, I got halfway on the road and my wife texted me and said, why didn't you just wear a hat backwards? And I was like, bitch, leave me alone. <laughs> Dude, stop coming up dude, with great ideas after the fact. That's that wife logic that you hate sometimes. <laughs> that you're like, why didn't I? You oh. saw me in the mirror for 35 minutes. <sighs> and then you told me to drop you off at JB Smith. You knew I had somewhere to go. Bro, this was so crazy. It was like, hey, you know, when you agree to do something a month out, you're like, okay. This is the day that I said I'm going to go do a podcast on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Right. So, therefore, make arrangements for these kids or do whatever you got to do. Sure. Okay. So, my good friend JB Smooth, he's on Shark Week this week, and he wants people to come over to the house to watch. And so, I said, you know what? You also might want to consider going out to JB's house without me, but it'll give you something to do and get out of the house. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of the house. Sure. You know how it is, babies. You're trying to keep your wife sane. Of course. I got... A three-month-old right now, and uh, I... You in the trenches right now, bro. Yeah, I literally, like, took him for an hour just so she could go to Wells Fargo and Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. and she was, like, thrilled to do that. Right. She was, like, stoked. She, like, new person walked in. Let me tell you something. You ever want to get brownie points with your wife? Just start out doing nothing where she thinks she has no help, and then start doing the bare minimum. And she'll react to the bare minimum. Like, he was so sweet today. He changed like three diapers. It was so crazy. It was just like, who is this guy? (laughs) You want to know how to get out of a lot of work, bro? I'm telling you, man, all this stuff is passed down. I'm an OG with this shit, so I'm about to pass it down. No, 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 I was going to ask you, like, any new dad advice, man, lay it on me. Hey, you ever want to get out a lot of baby work? Walk in with your baby. In front of your wife, and especially her mother, if you ever get a chance, but in front of your wife, and then just be like, so babe, I was up, oh shit, okay, oh no, we good, we good, we good. So babe, I was uh, wondering, she'd be like, wait a fucking minute, <laughs> give me the goddamn baby Give me the baby right, right, now. right now. Like right give now. Give me the baby. So then when you're like, hey babe, I watched the baby, go. She's like, no, I got it. You know what? No. I got him. But uh. Yeah, but when you don't want it to go insane, insane, then um, yeah, man. So I'm the same way. I, I think ahead, and I'm like, you know what? This will be a great event for my wife. You guys are gonna be outside, fresh air at night. Sure, you know. Um, and then I'm like, all right, babe, I'm on my way. I'm out. Oh, by the way, drop me off. No, I thought I told you in enough time for you to make arrangements. <laughs> right, right, right. How you're gonna get there. Because I have somewhere to be. Yeah, but drop me off. And your hairline's crooked. I'm just like, look, I, you, you're doing too much. First. <laughs> you're doing too much. Now, you have a lot of material about your wife, I've noticed, like with your stand-up and stuff like that. Has there ever been a bit that she's been like, can you not do that? 
You know what? <clears throat> I've only had one with my wife where she's like, can you not do that? My wife likes it. I sometimes use the B word and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a crutch for me. But I let her know it's not specific to her because I've been calling women bitches. Baby, this isn't about you. It's not about you. (laughs) In stand up, if you haven't noticed when it comes to black comedy, we love the N word and we love the bitch word. So I said, I'm going to pull off the throttle on the N word Mm -hmm. because my crowd is so diverse. Um, It's always been a half and half crowd for my entire career. I just didn't feel like I needed to be that comic because there's enough comic saying nigga, 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 all damn day. So I'm like, I'm going to be different. But for whatever reason, every now and then, I use that bitch punchline just like as a, no, she's not a bitch, but I'm a bitch. You know, and, and I say it in like carefully and cautiously, yeah. but it still gets a huge laugh because you hadn't heard me say anything in that lane. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, the first time I go there, I'm calling my wife a bitch. Then you can be like, oh, that was funny because it was like shock. But at the same time, there are dudes saying, bruh. I can relate. Bruh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And women are like, oh, is he talking about? His wife must be. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Meanwhile, the dudes are like looking at their wife like, uh, he talking about you, bitch. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I've been doing family humor for a while now only because I shifted the comedy to what my real life is. And I actually just sold a show to development to Fox. In that same lane, so we'll see if we get to make a pilot, you know. Well, congrats. I showed showed the show two weeks ago, bro. Congrats. That's amazing, man. Yeah, man. I think when I came and I saw you, (laughs) that was me just walking around feeling like, I need to be around some some people because I I, I sold the show. You're you're feeling good. I was feeling great, man. Of course, man. That's great. So, uh, we and I just wanted to like be out. Because uh, not only did I get my name put on the wall of the comedy store. I was stoked for you, man. I saw that and Thank I was you, like, brother. that's amazing. And bro, if you ever go to the comedy store, people, that shit is right in the doorway, right in your eye line. Oh, you got a good spot. It's the, it's the dope you got a great spot. spot. Yeah. So um, just to be acknowledged by them and the way that all happened, shout out to Guy Tori. Um, and then, um, you know, I have a, a really great movie idea that I pitched to another A-list comedian and she said she wants to do it. And so now I'm writing that. And then because I was on a show called Outmatched with Jason Biggs uh, and I was just a black neighbor on Mm -hmm. the show, me and Tisha Campbell, you know, COVID really ended up taking that show off the air because right when they had to make a decision, COVID had not only did it break out, but Tom Hanks had just gotten it. Yeah. (laughs) So Well, that was a tipping point for a lot of people. So Hollywood was like, like, Tom Hanks got it. If Tom Hanks can get it, anyone can get <laughs> Anybody it. Anybody can get it. Every show. He's the best of the best of us. Oh, my God, bro. <laughs> He's Mr. Rogers. Gosh darn it. These people. It was almost like. But he survived AIDS, you know, so. Bro, it was like. It, it was it was like Easy e got AIDS and they were like, yeah, AIDS is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Magic Johnson got AIDS and they were like, we have to find a cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to find a cure. Yeah, yeah. 
we love magic. You know, so I felt like COVID was the same thing. We had heard Tyler Perry was getting sniffles and we didn't know what he had and he was sick and everybody was like, oh, I feel better, Tyler. And then we said, heard that Tom Hanks and his wife got <laughs> COVID and everybody was like, yeah, shut this bitch down right. completely. The country's over. Country's over. Every show with a live studio audience, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll take our chances. And so they didn't bring us back. And so uh, I happened to see... Um, the president of Fox at a dinner one day when I was having dinner at uh, Italy, you know, um, in the uh, Century City Mall. But I look mm-hmm. over a couple of tables and I see old boy and people. I don't recommend you do this, but Finesse Mitchell is notorious for not having a filter, couth, or decorum. <laughs> I get up from my table like this motherfucker. <laughs> I walk up to this man's meeting that he's having and I say, why you cancel our show? <laughs> he looks up and he's like, hey, Finesse. Hey, guys. Finesse, how have you been? I was like, uh, jobless. <laughs> he just was like, he started laughing. And then he said, have a seat. So we sat down and we all just chopped it up. And um, his boss was there, which was really funny because he's like, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, when I went back to my table, they stopped over at my table mm-hmm. and he said, hey man, I'm going to, I might have something for you in about two weeks. And then I said to him, cause I'm Finesse Mitchell, uh, cause he said, email me in two weeks. And I said, you know what? I'll email you in three weeks so you can make sure it's for me. <laughs> he said, I like that. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm like that people, but sometimes that's why I go long stretches of disappearing. But anyway, he um he we got on a Zoom call and he told me what he wanted to do and I was with it. And then I asked him, could I pitch him a show? And he says, sure, go for it. And you know how Zoom is. All yeah. the screens were I was talking to two people. And he said, Go for it. Five more faces popped up on the do, damn do, do, Zoom. Do, do. Bloop, 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 yeah, bloop, yeah. bloop, bloop. And I was like, Oh, um, hi guys. Whew. Okay, one second. <laughs> I was like, this was, I didn't, I just, this was a bad idea for this. Why did you do this? But sure enough, man, I uh, I pitched the show and uh, 10 minutes later, he was like, I love it. I want to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, man. So um, we'll see what happens, people. This, this business is weird. We'll see what happens. I know. The ebbs and flows of, uh, the, the, you know, um, I have had some pretty great highs met some amazing people but more so than that the people that i've met that couldn't do anything career wise for me friendship wise or business wise is like i'm so freaking glad i met john bon jovi like this is a weird relationship nobody would ever believe that i met this dude but uh for whatever reason hanging out with Derek jeter and bon john john bon jovi at a 40th snl reunion party yeah and people are still texting each other, like, hey, what the, that never would have happened if I didn't do the Starkeisha Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon sure. bit in 2003. You know That's what I mean? so weird just how life How will life take you. goes, bro, and where it takes you and the rooms that you're in. And it's what you do in these rooms. Sometimes comedians have to stop being comedians because everybody can make everybody laugh. That's our fucking job. But if it is a platform or a place where there are people in there that can change your life, stop being funny and and show them how you can make money. Hey, I know how you can make money with me. Let me let me let me let me have your ear for ten minutes. That's all I need. Ten minutes, yeah. and 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 make an impact that way. 
let them see the business person in you. Because they've seen that they can go on YouTube and see they, if they, they like you. They can see you. the funny person. They can see the funny person. Yeah, yeah. So just keep that in mind because I do know a lot of comedians who are like, oh, I didn't get a chance to get up and so-and-so was in the crowd. You could have went up to him. You could have went up to him and said something in two minutes that made him remember you more than those jokes he heard for that night. And said, hey, man, make sure you call my assistant. Don't call me. Call my assistant. Mm-hmm. But call the fucking assistant. Email the damn assistant. And when they, when you finally make that connection, now you have his full undivided attention. But it wasn't about you being on stage and him seeing your alligator bit or him seeing your hair sweating out of your, <laughs> your hairline because the lights are too hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Vanessa is sweating like Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> what is going on in this growing on? <laughs> so yeah, man. But that's that's another bit. I'm dropping jewels here, people. If you're paying attention, I know. I'm. I, you know, sometimes I as a every episode is different for this podcast. Sometimes <laughs> I am. You know, have to steer the conversation depending on the guest, and mm-hmm. then sometimes if you, if I'm if there's knowledge being dropped, I'll shut up and listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's just that's just the way it goes like so, like some you know some podcasts i'm like oh maybe i talk too much at like with with that guest or whatever but like mm-hmm. if i'm listening to stuff that i'm like this is just good information i'll sit back and you know what i mean you know what i learned um okay first i have a podcast it's called understand this and the person that helps me do it is also the producer of it because, you know, sometimes you meet a guy that's like, I know how to do a podcast mm-hmm. if you want to do your own podcast. So Tom Segura, Segura and, and, and Bert Kreischer was like, you should do a podcast. And at the time they were like, we'll help you, mm-hmm. you know. And for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to try it, but let me try it on my own. Just, you know. Sometimes you talk to other comics and they're like, what the fuck you need them for? You don't need these people. Da, 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 da. And you're like, is that the best advice? I don't know. But I did say, let me try it. And for like maybe 10 episodes, bro, we were just struggling to make conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it because we're not being prepared? Right. Why isn't this happening like stand up? Where's the, where's the flow? Where's right the here. flow? Where's, where's the, the chemistry? Yeah. And so, um, of course, the more you do, now when me and this guy sit in front of a mic, we just like. You just go. We just go. And now, when, do y'all have wigs on that show? <laughs> no, we do not have wigs. <laughs> we do not have wigs. When, uh, this, when, um, when, when we would have guests, I found myself being, you know, driving it a lot or yeah. letting a Tony Rock just take over or letting uh, Atheon Crockett take over, letting a Joe Coy tell his stories. But, um, when it came to not having a guest or having a guest that wasn't funny, that wasn't a comedian, you're like, how do you make this interesting? And I remember Conan, as I drop names, people, and Conan saying- if I'm you, picking them up. I appreciate them. If you ever watch Conan, uh, old interviews, because he's off the air now, but I really found him to be one of the best, only because- you're going to laugh whether you want to or not, or whether this person is funny or not. And Conan knew when to sit back and let a JB Smooth do what he had to do. Oh, yeah. You know, he knew when to sit back and say, oh, my God, this is Finesse Mitchell. Ah, fuck these cards. And he throw the cue cards away. 
and he'd just sit back and be entertained. But when he had a person, whether it was an actress or whatever, and they were the star of this movie and they were just there to just, and you could see the hands shaking, he would just take over and he would, he would, he would fall on those blades every time to just those self-deprecating jokes or him playing with his hair or him just being ah, ah, and making it. But whatever it was, it, it wasn't a boring segment. And he just said, Hey man, you just have to master that part of being a host, knowing when the show is in good hands or knowing when you have to make sure the show is in good hands. And so, um, when I first saw you, bro, <laughs> And I was new to roast battle and all that stuff, but I first saw you. Know, it was called the Wave or something like yep, that. Yep, yep. And that's when I first saw you. You had very long hair. Mm -hmm. and you looked very Amish at the time. Yes, sir. And I was just like, uh, you know, out of the crazy black dude and the other dude, I like the white guy. Like I really <laughs> liked this white guy. And no matter whenever I saw it or snuck in, you know, or when I, you know, in the back of the room to see it. I came to watch you. I came to watch the interludes in between the battles of what you guys did because I just found you hilarious. And that's part of the reason I'm sitting in this chair because I was a fan. You know what I mean? When I saw you back then. So um, now you're fucking grown with a baby and a and a real haircut and shit. I know, right? <laughs> you know, How like, weird is that? I don't know this guy, but <laughs> I'm still a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah, because I feel like for people like you, it's just a matter of time. So you don't get discouraged, but you stay active. And the keyboard and the sax and this one man band and everything you're doing and people who are going to come just on the strength of who you are, you keep your brain active because when that time comes and no matter what role you're going to be in, there's no rust. You know what I mean? You right. kept the brain active. Oh, yeah. You're 180 in on this podcast congratulations people that's not very easy because i've quit 90 times and i only have 30 episodes <laughs> <laughs> but i realized that i don't do it for anything but myself so when i do get approached with a branding opportunity or something like that i'm like yeah i guess that's why i guess i guess i'll take a manscape meeting because all my friends are doing manscape sure you know what sure. i mean but um I think we just wanted to do it because you heard the Joe Rogan stories and the YMH stories and, and you're like, yeah, I can do that. We're all just as talented. We can all do that. Yeah. But the only difference is they've done over 500 episodes. Yeah. So if you really want to be one of the best, get your numbers up because now people are looking for Brandon deals on show 10, you know, and I don't know if you're supposed to do it like that, but yeah, a lot of people cutting corners now. You know, the 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 path has been laid, and we, you know, and and it's like, all right, is that cheating or no? But it just depends on what you you're getting into it for, and I'm and I'm getting into it just to hear myself talk. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, I'm getting into it because I have two kids, and on Wednesdays I get to say, babe, you know, I gotta go do the podcast. Of course, she 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 doesn't. You're still doing that? Does anyone listen? Finesse, your podcast was 10 hours long. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm doing this new uh, format. Uh, you know, I'm trying to outdo Joe Rogan length episodes every this time. This is the one I hate when you come back in. Are you wearing different clothes? <laughs> so I yeah, babe. Um, yeah, we have changes. Uh, 
Mid show. We do costume changes. We do wigs on my show. We do wigs. We all kinds of stuff. We play instruments. Yeah. <laughs> Except that's what you like to put on a wig. I could, but I'm going to wear it the whole show. Mm-hmm. I can't take it off. I would be Little Richard the entire show. Do you hear me? Because if I take it off. You just take the wig with you home. <laughs> Go finesse Mitchell to Damon Wayans. Because my hair is gone. Gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Um, but we were talking about dad life and I was, I was just letting you know that, um, and all the dads out there, give your wife a break strategically. You know what I mean? There are times when we can be selfish as dads, extremely selfish. We'll never have the amount of nurturing love for a child as the woman who birthed that child. Don't even try to compete. Don't even try to say the love is the same. They'll actually get offended. And just, but uh, but yeah, be a great helpmate. And I think, uh, especially in stand-up comedy where people don't believe we have real jobs, and sometimes we don't even believe we have real jobs, uh, they don't really call it work when it comes to, hey, babe, I got to go tell these jokes for an hour or two, or I got to go to Tampa Thursday through some Monday and I'll be back. When you come back and you're talking about Tampa, I don't think she cares. Right. I think she really wants you to ask her, how's the baby? Mm-hmm. And and did I miss anything? And what can I do now that I'm here? Yeah. I got I to gotta leave again on Wednesday. So in these three days, what can I do? I'm literally in the midst of that right now. I yeah. just did a weekend and I'm about to do a Thursday through Sunday right now where I get back on Monday. Like, you know, during these early baby times, that's a long amount of time to leave your wife with the baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... While I'm here, I'm trying to do as much as I can before I go back out on the road. So three months old, that means every 45 minutes to a to an hour, 45 minutes, something needs to be done with that baby. Yep. That baby needs to eat. That baby needs to sleep. That baby needs to wake back up. That baby needs to be fed. That baby needs to be changed. That baby needs to eat. That baby needs to sleep. That baby needs to <laughs> wake back up. That baby yep. needs to be changed. And so it gets pretty monotonous. And meanwhile, only thing you can do is scroll your phone and look at all the fun that everybody else is having in the world. That's it. So don't, I don't even post fun pictures. <laughs> Babe, how was Tampa? Eh. Sorry. <laughs> eh, somebody got shot in the parking lot. It was weird. I'm ready to come home, babe. I miss you guys. Right, right. Hold on, hold on, babe. One second. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'll be there in a second. Hey, get the jet skis. I want the red one. Hello? Yeah, baby. This is... I don't know. Anyway, how's the baby? <laughs> it's rough out here in Tampa. It's rough out here in Tampa. It's real rough. <laughs> the weather's horrible. Can you hold on? I thought the world was going to be bluer than this. Ain't this Tampa Bay? I could have got this shit in LA. That's crazy. Hey, look at that thong. She... Ooh. Oh, shit. Hello? Hello? Babe. No. No, babe. Hello? <laughs> Forgot to hit mute. That was me forgetting to hit the mute properly. <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> you just got a new dog, right? Uh, uh, full disclosure, no. My neighbor got a new dog, but I posted it like it was mine for likes. Oh. <laughs> Everything about Finesse Mitchell is a fraud, people. The hairline is a fraud. The dogs are a fraud. <laughs> it's not my dog. I even put the caption that I got outvoted in naming the dog. Dude. So yeah. You're hard selling that. You're hard selling that on your socials. <laughs> Get them likes, people. Get them likes, baby. Uh, my neighbor got a micro bully. 
Uh, these dogs are running between fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars. Oh, I saw the dog that you got, and I was like, he dropped some money on that. Because that's I'm, a very. I'm thinking it's a cute dog. It's a yeah. Uh, hey, cute dog. Hey, this is a nice cute dog. Right. Oh my god! Look at these eyes. Look at how big does it get? This is great. So this is when the babysitter came out with the kids. Yeah. And they were walking the dog. So I had a whole photo shoot with it because I'm like, I'm definitely putting this on the ground. Hey, but the dog's real name is uh, uh, Gucci. Uh, And so yesterday, the owner comes out with a boy and he's the mural with the whole speckled uh, coat and everything, same light eyes. He's like, his name is Suge. And I'm just like, I fucking love you guys, man. Gucci and Suge. Can I see the dog for a second, sir? Yes. Uh, just got a second, you know, I'm doing the whole photo shoot and he's right. like, go for it. But then he told me how much, um, that they plan on selling these dogs and they're breeding them. And he's like, yeah, man, he already got a waiting list and these are puppies. Oh man. He's trying to convince his wife. Yes. You can make real money. Full blown business. It's a full blown business. That's the new crypto. <laughs> that is the new <laughs> fucking cryptocurrency yeah. people. Micro bullies are going from fifteen mm-hmm. to twenty five thousand. I would never think to pay that much for a dog. No way. No. A way. child, bro. Anybody. That's too much. <laughs> a human soul. <laughs> a human soul. Twenty five thousand at one time. You better go to the military. Fuck that shit. Yeah. You're not going to college. That's not happening. You didn't get that scholarship, huh? What was the deal? What was the deal? <laughs> Tell you like my daddy told me. Get the scholarship. He can go anywhere you want to, and daddy pay for it. Wait a minute. If I get the scholarship, I can go anywhere I want to. What are you paying for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the plane ticket? Yeah. Did you just cast a spell on me to get a scholarship? <laughs> <laughs> and when I didn't get a scholarship, did you get a scholarship? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sounds like all deals off. Yeah. You didn't do your part. Finesse. I mean, I had my end of the bargain <laughs> that I was going to hold up. I was going to pay for it if you got a free ride. <laughs> <laughs> But dad, I don't understand how this works. Exactly, son. Exactly. 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 Don't make me look crazy. I said what I said. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Shout out to Papa Mitchell. I ended up going to the University of Miami and that was a dope experience. And I ended up playing f- football with them and meeting Rohan Marley and Warren Sapp and Dwayne Rock Johnson and, and Ray Lewis and all these guys. And at the time we were saying, this is a very special time. These guys, you guys are really, but like I was really like I was a fan of the team I was on because I was like yeah. we dope, we killing people. Right, it's the '90s, two live crew was hot and they was always oh, they was the soundtrack to our football team. Oh yeah, so it was just like this. They talking about who's your mama? This is the greatest football team ever. And we were in Miami, and it was South Beach, and it was just like everything you could possibly want at 18. You're living in a music video. Yeah, basically. And then this guy Billy Corbin. Uh, contacts everybody and says, hey, I'm doing a 30 for 30 special called The You. And we were like, okay. And when we watch it, it's all about our days. We were like, we knew we were crazy and special. Told you. Look at this shit. And it was like the number one doc on uh, ESPN for like, you know. And then ESPN based all the 30 for 30s off, off, of, that. off that one. Yeah. Wow. You didn't know that. I just dropped something. No, I didn't know that. I love that series. Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard to not love this. It's hard. It's hard to... Yeah. Leave watching any of those series and not, even if you're not into sports, mm-hmm. not feeling inspired. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? Like just the way, I mean, just when I, when I finished watching The Last Dance, like mm-hmm. that series, I mean, obviously it's Jordan, mm-hmm. but 
it's one of those things where you watch something and you're like, I never got, you know, I always loved basketball and I followed the Bulls and stuff like that. But you, you know, you never get to that level at whatever it is that you're watching that sport of these 30 for 30s. Mm-hmm. But you're like, let me try to apply that to right. what I'm doing with comedy right now, mm-hmm. that work ethic and just seeing all that is so inspiring. Right. I think when you watch The Last Dance and you see other people describe Michael Jordan, you realize that he was different. His workouts were different. He backed up everything he said he was going to do. Oh, and he's just special. Um, Does that come with arrogance and does that come with enemies? Absolutely. But are you winning and are you taking people along for the ride? And are they just as important as you? Like, are you passing up the ball and letting Paxson shoot the goddamn winning shot? Are you letting uh, Steve Kerr shoot the winning Scott shot? Are you telling people, I couldn't do this without Scottie Pippen? Yeah. Okay. So you're not an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They they revered you. They loved that you were their leader. I get it, man. But to hear other people describe Michael Jordan in those miniseries, it just confirms everything you kind of knew, but you were just watching the show. You right. wasn't watching what was going on behind the curtain. It's fascinating even to to see those interviews with the journalists who mm-hmm. really like had the interviews and were really following him and who like spent even time with him a little bit here and there, like over the years. Like mm-hmm. that's that's just a cool perspective to see that. Mm-hmm. And and even uh Kobe. Kobe to me, when they show Michael's moves and then they show Kobe doing the exact same move yeah. and they put it right next to each other, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm not working that hard. Yep. You know what I mean? And as a basketball player, you have to watch that and say, oh, that was identical. Mm-hmm. That means that guy's spending a lot more time in the gym than me. You know what I mean? So when I see comedians from YouTubers to Instagrammers to whatever uh, have a million, two million followers, but they drop three videos a day. What am I mad at? They're dropping three videos a day. Right. For every day. Every day they're releasing three videos. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're a millionaire. Why? Oh, because of the brands and the and you reach a certain number of views and YouTube and the Instagram and Facebook sends you checks and all that stuff. Vanessa, you can do that. Did you hear me say I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old who don't give a damn about a fucking ring light? <laughs> Don't give a damn about an Instagram post unless they're in it. But, and even though you kind of see the formula and you know the formula, how much are you going to give up to go that hard? You know? Yeah. You can only get mad at yourself. You can't get mad at other people. Now, what you can get mad at is them taking up spots in comedy club and they don't have an act yet. You can get mad at that, but it's kind of sold out on a Wednesday. So you can't get mad at the owner. Because they don't care if you're funny or not. Comedy club owners could care less about your routine. They would love for you to be funny, but they pretty much are basing it off of who paid for an elevated ticket price. That's all they care about, people. They don't care about your comedy or you. Unless you missed your flight, then they really care about you. (laughs) What do you mean? You missed the flight? We sold out. Oh, man. I got so many stories. I bet. We'll have to do a part two, man. Got to do a part two. Let's round it out with sax talk. Okay. Sax talk. I 
don't remember the year, but uh, I was very young and very handsome. And I was in Miami. That I do remember. This young lady was so beautiful in her one piece romper outfit that went up her butt because she had nice cakes. There's love at first sight, and then people, there's lust at first sight. And after a couple of beers and vodka, this was truly a lustful encounter. College students, we didn't have any hotel rooms or cars that we could go to when we decided to leave this nightclub and look for a place just to make out. The club was inside of a mall, which emptied out into a food court. So we held hands and walked the entire food court. For whatever freaky reason, Finesse Mitchell decided to make a pit stop at the very dark Panda Express. Me being drunk, bold, and young, I let her hand go and I jumped over the counter. And now I'm on the other side of the cash register staring at my very sexy customer. I said, the beef and broccoli is kind of stale and the noodles look a little old. But uh, if you jump over this counter with me, I think there are some very hard chopsticks in the back. Much to my surprise, she took those very fine thighs, lifted them up, slid over the counter, and was right in front of my eyes. We kissed, we tongued, we caressed, we grabbed. In the middle of all this lust, I was thinking I might need to go to rehab. When she pulled me down to the floor, I didn't think about the grease. All I could think about is, am I about to release? Bro, we found a nice little carpet and it looked semi-clean. Next thing I know, I pulled down my pants and I was ready to do my thing. She had on a one piece. She had to take it off both shoulders and roll it down. But I said, oh, my God, are we about to have sex on this nasty ground? Much to my surprise, but much to my delight. <laughs> I whipped out my thing and she did not take flight. We kept kissing. 
We kept touching. We kept loving. I kept grubbing. She kept pushing. I kept grabbing. And next thing you know, we busted out laughing. Our nasty asses was having sex at a Panda Express. Behind the counter, need I say more or should I say less? We heard people walking by. We heard people laughing. But they did not know on the other side of that counter what was happening. To make a long story short, there was a bunch of soy sauce that was sticking together after that night. Because right when I was about to bust, I pulled out and I aimed to the right. I had sex at a Panda Express. I had sex at a Panda Express. I made love behind a Panda Express. The lights was out. It was a food court. It was one time. I did it once. Bucket list. Oh, yeah. I'm nasty. Don't judge me. I had sex at a Panda Express. This is sax talk. This is sax talk. Finesse Mitchell. Sax talk. She licked me like a lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That was the perfect way to end this thing. Hey, I don't know why Dr. Seuss came into my head, but I started rhyming. I mean, it was perfect. That's exactly what I was. That's what exactly what I was looking for with the sax talk. And I, and that's the first uh, kind of techno-y <laughs> sax talk I've done at the at the very end. A little bit of rapping going on. Hey, hey man! Full circle with the. It's a lot of fun, my brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, where can people? You have a podcast. Uh, your great follow on social media. Mr. Watkins, uh, yes, I have a podcast. It is called Understand This. Uh, it's on YouTube and Spotify and iHeart and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. All those platforms. All everywhere those platforms. you find podcasts. But people, uh, I'm really excited to shoot my next comedy special. So uh, just find me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, Twitter. I don't know. But find me. Finesse Mitchell with an F. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Keep supporting my brother in comedy over here. And uh, if you haven't seen Finesse live, please do yourself a favor and check him out. Very fun to watch. Uh, I've watched many of your sets over the years at the Laugh Factory and around LA. And uh, always a good time, my friend. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. He spoke no lies. It's all facts. So peace and love and blessings. Same to you, my brother. So fucking talented i hate it keyboard and saxophone (laughs) fucking comedy (laughs) jesus hey yo hey yo back with the remix 
These boys all my sons like Phoenix. My city and state never ever seen this. Jimmy Neutron, I'm a young boy genius. On a futon, I'ma give her that penis. When the shit's done, I'ma fill up arenas. Ooh, like Gilbert Arenas. Shoot my shot, I'm still with the demons. Ooh, I keep it thorough. I got five chicks in New York, that means one in each ball. One of the t- <laughs> Yeah! We out here!